Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. What's up, everybody? It's your girl Hadija Toto, and you are listening to Entrance You, the podcast where we are the deliberate creators of our own realities, united in light during the darkest hour. We foster spaces of love, truth, and acceptance because we know we are one people. Living through different simulations, we define and choose to be our own truths while living in a co created environment within multi dimensional realities. With that being said, we're just curious to see how others create their world as knowledge and inspiration so that we may understand how they live their lives so we can refine and fine-tune to make our lives even greater than what they already are. Now, everything I'm going to say you already know and you don't have to agree or disagree. It's just simply a sharing experience while we're also actively listening to whoever is coming on. And speaking of that, who's coming on today is an amazing, amazing being called Mr. Travis Gray. He's a transpersonal psychologist and he's a facilitator of transformative experiences and has spent the last eight years in the cultivation and study of whole human transformation. Yes, we're going to be talking all about transformation and bridging and all that. And in his clinical practice, he has a master's degree in counseling, psychology, and facilitated psychoeducation groups for adolescent perpetrators of domestic violence and co-parenting groups. Yes, heavy, heavy. He can handle it all, I'm telling you. And he works with individuals, couples, and families. And he's currently in a PhD program researching the actualizing tendency of consciousness with a population of deaf students. So you best believe we're going to be hearing a lot today. <laughs> no pun intended. Without further ado, here is Mr. Travis Gray. Welcome to the show. This podcast is so awesome. <laughs> like the whole intro, everything you just said, this is this is so dope. Entrance you, Khadija Tutu. Thank you for having me. Uh, this is this is really incredible stuff. I'm really, I'm already super stoked, charged up. This is awesome. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. I'm so excited to have you on. I think that might have been the best reaction to the intro ever. So it's so it's so awesome. I was watching it all play. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, ah, just there's just so much going on that I was like, Khadija is really doing this. She's really out you. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes, we are out you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So tell us about you, Mr. Travis. Like, I want to start from the beginning because I asked you, what was your first language that you spoke? And what was your answer to me? Yeah, uh, my, my first language is American Sign Language. So my mother is deaf. My grandmother and grandfather are deaf as well. So my, my mom is second generation deaf. Um, th- th- there's something called a coda. This is like an identity thing. Um, it's a child of a deaf adult. Not, not something that I've uh, played with too much in life, but uh, I, I, at, at some point that did, uh, I, I just learned about that, that, that identity marker coda. So yeah, my first language, American Sign Language. That is so awesome. So there was a family history of deafness in the family. So mm-hmm. you said your mother was deaf. And how about your father? Uh, my father is a hearing man. So uh, he, so my father passed away when I was 18 months old. He was only 25 years old. I'm older today than my father ever was in life. Um, he, 
must have just found uh, sign language very interesting and decided to get involved and uh, decided to uh, decided to cultivate a relationship with a deaf woman, my mother and and figure out uh, what sign language is all about. Um, I, I don't I don't think he was particularly good at sign language at you know when he was when he was dating my mom but um, but yeah that's that uh, my my mom has three sisters two of them are hearing one of them is also deaf or hard of hearing and uh, yeah so it's four girls to two deaf parents and that's like my mom's side of the family so how was that you know growing up you know like in this kind of you know deaf world in this hearing world like what is there an expansion? I know you're studying this for your doctorate, but mm -hmm. is there some type of maybe unlearned consciousness or, or advantages to hearing or not hearing that maybe we don't even know? I, I, I certainly believe so. It, it certainly colored my experience in a good way. Um, am I echoing there? No, you're fine. Oh, no, uh, it's, it sounds like I'm echoing. Oh, not from this end. Oh, okay. Maybe that's my end then. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it is. Um, it, it is interesting that I have I have felt that it's been you know an enormous blessing in my life. There, there does seem to be things like I, I would say like empathy. That there, there are different ways of uh, body language with other people. Definitely. Yeah. Okay, so there is a little bit of there, echo. There was some sort of echo. Maybe a a shift in a in the mic, maybe. Okay. Um, in, uh, on my mic. Mm -hmm. Is the gain up high? The maybe gain the gain high? can lower just a little bit. All right, is that talk. <laughs> is that better? Say it again. Is that better? Yeah, that is better. That is better. To, All right. to me, it sounds like I'm echoing on your side, but anyway. Um, this is so awesome. We're talking about listening and hearing and echoing. In the meanwhile, we're talking about hearing and not right. hearing. We're talking about sound. Um, my, my relationship to sound is, is interesting. I, when I first began school, I was in English as a second language. A lot of people would not expect that of my experience maybe, but um, I was in English as a second language. The only music that I really listened to was on the radio. If I picked things, uh, my mom was never like one of those parents who was like, oh, you can't listen to music with cuss words because she didn't know really what I was listening to. Um, and so I really uh, built the relationship to music uh, all on my own. I didn't have a whole lot of um, outside influence in that way. But um, the body language with other people, I, I have felt I, I've, I, at, at some point in my life, I did not understand what it was. And I learned as, as I went, just like we all do, we learn about ourselves as we go if we're really intentional about our growth, our development, our transformation. Well, I, I found that my mannerisms, my expression, a lot of this is influenced by my mom being such an expressive person, American Sign Language being so expressive itself. And so I found that um, those things are influencing other people and it's very unconscious to me. 
but I feel like it gives me a good read on people. It, it has been uh, a major reason that I am a therapist. Um, and so it, 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 it seems like all of that has influenced my path, no doubt. That's awesome. Giselle is here and she said, love Travis Gray, great to see you, Bing. Yeah, I love Giselle. <laughs> um, one of the things you said, American Sign Language. So are there other sign languages, like a Chinese sign language? Or there are. So, so here, that, that's actually a good question um, in, in reference to that previous question because I, I once went to Prague. Uh, I was representing my university at this international transpersonal psychology conference. Uh, it was my first time outside the country. There was a lot of there was a lot of evolving just in this in this trip. Well, when I went to Prague, the my my first time coming off of the uh, out of out of the airport right, right in Prague, there was uh, two deaf people speaking to each other, and usually. I don't, uh, I don't see a deaf person and I'm like, oh, I know sign language because that, 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 that'd be like, you know, why don't we do that with anybody that speaks English? You know, why, right. why are we not just running up? Hey, I speak English too, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, it's kind of, you know, it's just, that's just strange. Even uh, my content recently on social media, I've done more sign language things. I'll interpret a song or something like that. But to me, it's just, it's like it's like uh, posting me singing or something. It's not uh, it's not as different. But because I was in a different country and I saw two deaf people, I decided, oh, you know, maybe I should go uh, try to speak with them. And they were speaking French sign language, which American sign language is derived from French sign language. Um, I think the French began it. Uh, Gallaudet University is kind of the biggest institution maybe in the world deaf institution but uh it's definitely the biggest one in america uh that's a graduate uh graduate programs as well for deaf students well that that all kind of stems from france initially and when i spoke with these people i knew i knew that the signs were different but we could still communicate we could still have a conversation i was still I was still connecting with you know what was being said and I've, I've had that experience with, you know, people that speak, uh, you, you, this is often in my life, the experience has happened with uh, Spanish speaking people, but somebody that speaks another language, I don't, that, that doesn't scare me in terms of making me feel like I have an inability to communicate. I feel like we, we can figure this out. I don't need to know the words. Words, language is very limiting in itself in a lot of ways anyway. So. I, I, I like that um, it, it has given me this functionality in, 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 in many ways of communicating, but there are, there are uh, a, I mean, there, there's quite a few different sign languages around the world. And even, even in the country, just like dialects and stuff like that, the, there will be that uh, even as small as households could have like a little uh, little intricacies in their in their sign language, the way that they speak with each other. I'm a coda, so uh, I, I I'm dominantly in my life now speaking English. But when I speak with my mom, she understands me in a way that maybe other deaf people don't understand me as clearly. I have to I have to I have to clean up my sign language. I can't be so slangy. This the same way as like. 
when you are when you and I are just you know just shooting the you know we're we're just chatting we're just you know throwing slang around we out you stuff like that mm-hmm. like other people might not understand that in in the same way sign language can be that way too. Okay, that's awesome. So it's almost like there's an ESL to sign language almost. Like English as a second language in sign language. Like you know how. You know, in ESL, like you said before, like there's a different process of, you know, if you're teaching someone, you're going to use words like applicable to someone whose second language is sure. English. Like you're going to say, yeah. oh, that's not, you don't do this here. You can't even say apply. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because they don't know what that means either. And sure. it's like a whole process that you have to simplify the language in order for people to understand it. Yeah. The, in, in my research right now, uh, the, the PhD research that my, uh, for my dissertation, um, re- recently, I came across this study where it, it, it spoke to this idea, but um, but I'll say it in other ways too. But it spoke to this idea of uh, mental terms, and you, there's just certain there's certain words that, like a, a a scientist speaking to a layman, you have to put things in layman terms. Just that, that's not that's not a condescension thing. It's a it's a effective communication thing. And in sign language, there are um, quite a few ideas and words that are just unnecessary. Right. Yeah. Mm. So with that, let's just go back just a minute for transpersonal psychology. That's a pretty, it sounds very uh, heavy it's when dope. it's spoken. So what is transpersonal psychology? Transpersonal psychology is the study of cultivating whole human transformation. It is the investments of the whole being, body, mind, soul. So it's a Eastern wisdom, Eastern spiritual traditions meeting Western science. And it's been around since the 70s. Um, the, some of the fathers of transpersonal psychology are Abraham Maslow, which is a lot of viewers would that potentially they would recognize that name. He's kind of a, a popular psychologist. He passed away at the peak of his career. He had a couple of heart attacks. Wow. And uh, at the peak of his career, he was looking at how successful people live their lives to to help be healing to other people. It, it's like when, when, when you have uh, the current paradigm in mental health, they look at hurt people. They look at people that are already uh, dysfunctional, living dysfunctional lives rather. And they, they try to use that population of people to help fix that population of people. But that sort of doesn't make sense. Sort of, uh, sort of arrogant of somebody to believe, oh, hey, uh, I'm happy and healthy. And if I look at this sick person, then I will know how to fix other sick people. But, but this is there's a lot of different ways that the conventional, the orthodox, the materialist paradigm of science has influenced that sort of direction of psychology. Psychology right now is a more behaviorist paradigm. And so Abraham Maslow, he was um, he was uh, he was the like the director of the APA, the American Psychological Association. He is the president at, at the peak of his career. And he was also running the humanistic journal. So he had a more humanistic approach. 
they're, they're sort of like psychoanalytic behaviorist, humanistic, and transpersonal. There's another guy, Anthony Sudich. He doesn't, his name doesn't get uh, uh, spoken about enough. He's sort of the unsung hero of transpersonal psychology. So I try to say his name. Um, Anthony Sudich was a, a great guy, and he uh, spoke about transpersonal psychology as the fourth turning. And so anything that you are interested in, I, I'm sure a lot of your viewers are interested in like spiritual dimensions of life and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Well, transpersonal psychology looks at all of those things from a, from a very specific uh, scholarly lens uh, in, in a very important way. So that in in a, in a gist is transpersonal psychology there's another guy that is alive still today he's in his 90s he's one of the founders of transpersonal psychology his name is Stanislav Grof and he was uh, in the beginning of his career he was in psychedelic studies as a participant and then him and his wife developed holotropic breathwork and this is sort of the the precursor to all of the popular breath work that is done right now. There are a lot of breath work practitioners that don't know about holotropic breath work and stands off growth. And I think that that's, that's a, a fallacy. That's a problem that they, that they don't know, but uh, he, he was sort of the beginning of that. And their, their intention with that was to have a sort of psychedelic entheogenic experience, but without the entheogen. So a psychedelic experience without the the substance uh, needed. So it was it's like three hours of breathing to this evocative, emotional provoking music. Uh, it's really fascinating. These are just some of the different things. There, there's a lot of different ways that you could take transpersonal psychology. You, you could look at the efficacy of tarot reading if you're if you're interested in those things. There's a a great deal of uh, parapsychology, which is looking at like spirits and ghosts and things. They, they use uh, a room called a psychomantium. Psychomantium is sort of like a room where you would call in the ghosts or the spirits. And uh, all, all of this can be different branches of transpersonal psychology, but a as a field, this is the umbrella for all of that. That's so interesting. It, it reminds me of like, as you were speaking, it reminded me of like Napoleon Hill and how he sure. studied all the, you know, greats. Like, how do you become successful? How did you Definitely. become to be who you are and how you are? And one of the things that really hits me, I don't know, in, in transpersonal psychology is like, it's, it reminds me of um, what is his name? Oh my goodness. My subconscious mind serves me and I remember everything. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of yes, the guy, the Alan, what is his first Alan name? Alan Watts. Alan Watts. There we go. Thank you. Alan Watts uh, has been published in transpersonal psychology journals before. Um, he has some really interesting ideas on enlightenment. Uh, Alan Watts is my man. <laughs> that, my, my, that, that's my guy too. Uh, but he, essentially he is a transpersonal psychologist. I would, I would say the same thing is true of a man named Ram Dass. So yes, yeah, Ram Dass, another yeah. group, they're kind of, they, they, they were around at the same time. They were uh, friends, acquaintances, uh, same time as like Timothy Leary. These are, these are like early transpersonal psychologists, sort of before the field was uh, enacted. 
because they're they're sort of like late 60s transpersonal psychology started in the early 70s and uh yeah abraham maslow and napoleon hill i mean those are you know two birds of a feather like they, they are doing essentially the same thing andrew carnegie uh, mm -hmm. andrew carnegie napoleon hill that sort of uh lineage in coaching and all of that stuff uh a, a, a lot of people don't realize like how how mirroring that is of what transpersonal psychology is but transpersonal psychology is meant to be a field of of scholarly research as well so it's just meant to be grounded in a, a scholarly context which is some people have a little aversion to that mm -hmm. if you say that sort of thing some sometimes there's an aversion to that I, i've had i've had people kind of respond to me in an aversive way oh you're you're doing your psychology thing oh it's about these pieces of paper. That's not what it is for me. I, uh, the piece of paper is memorabilia along my journey, but my, my journey is what it is. Uh, people will have this aversion to the scholarly input, the scientific inquiry, but all of that is extremely valuable. It's really important when, when you look at a variety of spiritual traditions to not be biased in any one spiritual tradition, but to take a piece of everything, Alan Watts was really interested in perennialism. Um, that that is that is essentially pulling from all of these different spiritual traditions and finding some sort of synthesis, um, various ideas. A lot of meditation research is done in transpersonal psychology. I, I'm I'm connected a lot with the meditation research, with the research in enlightenment. There's a there's a scholar, uh, an acquaintance, uh, a, a friend, a, an acquaintance. His name is Dr. Jeffrey Martin. I would consider him the premier psychologist on enlightenment today. He he has uh, pretty extraordinary uh, studies. A lot of money has gone into his stuff. I have different uh, interpretations of his work. Uh, some critical interpretations of his work as scientists are, should like have their own sort of perspective. So I, I see it through my own lens. Um, but this is, this is all you know, other ways to describe the different, the, the diversity of paths that one could go in transpersonal psychology. Um, one problem with the field is that there does need to be more diverse perspectives. Hmm. Uh, there, there is, there's a lot of there is some LGBTQ kind of different perspectives, uh, but not enough different ethnic perspectives, diversity in terms of ethnic lens. And um, th th that's important in any field. But in this particular field, it it's it's additionally important because of how these spiritual traditions are rooted in different ethnic region and 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 culture so that's so interesting that you say that because i'm wondering if people of those of those you know parts would be interested in this because for example like you have your like let's say voodoo type priest right mm -hmm. or you do have your buddhist you know monk or you have your you know these people that right alan watts studied 
you know, Buddhism and studied these things and then brought it back to America and was kind of teaching it and all these things. Cause that's how I got introduced to him because I lived in China. And so I'm like, yo, I don't think anybody understands the spiritual, I wouldn't even say warfare, but there's a spiritual uh, fight, you know, yeah. from from being, you know, a Western and having the psychology and then going to the East. It, it's a huge shift just in mm-hmm. spirit, you yeah. know. And so he was one of the people that when I listened to him speak, I could relate to him because I was like, oh, he understands. And it was just like listening. I knew he studied the Buddhist stuff and like the Buddhist scriptures and stuff, but it was like, because that was all around and that was the society and it was dominant, I was able to then come into that knowledge better. But I'm wondering, is this like an American twist on combining those tactics, right? Or those, those, that knowledge that other people from those practices have in order to achieve in order to achieve this scholarly knowledge. Yeah, if you think of Alan Watts, he's a West, he's an open Western mind. Um, uh, I think I heard you say bo- uh, Buddhism. <laughs> like, Buddhism. Like a voodoo Buddhism. Voodoo, <laughs> and that would voodoo, be awesome. voodoo. That would be so cool, <laughs> Buddhism. Um, but yeah, he, he's like an open Western mind that visited the East, stayed in, uh, was he in China? I think he was in Japan. I, th- I he think he spent a lot of time in Japan, and so he he got um, some Buddhist uh, traditional practice from from there. Uh, around that time, that Alan Watts was in Japan, Ram Das was in India, mm-hmm. um, and and both of them had these different experiences with Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary sort of stayed in the West. Uh, Timothy Leary and th- these are all they're, they're really uh, successful scholars. They, they were they're like guest guest instructors at Harvard and Stanford and things. I think Alan Watts. Uh, I think he might have been more of a Stanford guy. Uh, Timothy Leary and and Ram Dass, uh, who before was Richard Alport, uh, they, they were Harvard professors, but they got into psychedelic research and Harvard. Um, lots of different longer story, but uh, Harvard didn't like it in the end. And so Timothy Leary like went on his own bend and he was sort of uh, inspiring people to drop, tune in, drop out. That was like his, his famous line, tune in, drop out. And then, uh, so, so you have a lot of inquiry, a lot of interesting ideas that have been pulled from Buddhism, from India, uh, so Hinduist cultures, mm-hmm. uh, things like this, different um uh, kind of some names of uh, different, maybe uh, tantric, but not in a sexual way. Um, some some things kind of pulled from those regions. Definitely uh, heavily influenced in transpersonal psychology. You, you have a lot of. Um, uh, I'm assuming like ancient Egyptian stuff because a lot of this roots. It, it would be from... great to have um, more. Yeah, uh, for sure. But usually, the ancient Egyptian stuff is hermeticism. And mm-hmm. so the hermetic uh, tradition, I'm really uh, fascinated by that. I, I, I really love that. Um, I, I'm, I'm personally am heavily influenced by that. And the hermeticism is 
it, it it's it's there but uh but th that becomes all, all of these traditions to some extent but hermeticism is really heavily semantic it's heavily like uh really picky on words and stuff which i i, I think is yeah. valuable um but there's not enough people that are from like indigenous specifically indigenous cultures unless it is indigenous in the way of of like ayahuasca you know if yeah. it's like peru ayahuasca then there's some indigenous things there i i have a, a teacher uh, a really good friend of mine his name is dr stephen schmitz he has 40 years in shamanic practice mm -hmm. so he's uh he's a great scholar for that stuff but that's only one man it, it just you, you just need more diverse perspective but yeah. this is this is also why i feel really good in this field this is yeah. why i feel very masterful. I've really chosen my niche. I've really found my path because I'm Travis Gray. I'm bridging these gray things. I'm bridging these these Eastern Western things, these masculine female things, these black white things, these um, th these deaf hearing things. I, I'm you know the, the, these things that are that are understood without word, without hearing. They're right. understood through experience, through participation. Uh, I, I I feel like my life is just very uh, in tuned with that sort of that sort of path. I love that you told me a quote when we did our screening. You said you said something about wisdom in through the ear of something. What so was that? That's a hermetic thing, and the the principle is uh, the words of wisdom are heard by the ears of understanding. And that is such a interesting, you know, the, the title of our conversation today, uh, those with the ears to hear, really an awesome way to say that. And it's like those with the ears to hear, if, if, you, if you are not prepared to understand it, if you're not ready, if it's not time to under, be understood, uh, the same thing when you're raising children, not, not, not to condescend anybody, but when it's just not for your ears, it will not be received. It, it doesn't, and, and the same thing goes for coaches that are out here listening as well. You're trying to coach somebody on this particular thing. Uh, I, I was in a group earlier and I told them, don't, don't hold that space with expectation that this one thing that you have is going to be the thing that changes their lives. It's probably something that you didn't realize you did that changes their lives. Yeah. This way that you're holding space. So, if they are not prepared, if they're not, you know, or, or you try to, you try to fight with your family or you try to have these conversations with passerbys and people that are maybe not a part of your tribe and you're trying to get them to understand stuff. Don't waste your breath. <laughs> don't, don't waste your time. You're, you're, you're doing a disservice maybe to that person and yourself by trying to, you know, just drown them with, stuff that they is they're just not prepared for mm, i love that that that's definitely gonna be a clip in my mind i was like oh what time is it what time is it i know that you know just transitioning just a bit is i know you like in your body you talk about how you work with domestic violence you know groups and, and people mm -hmm. what is the thing about working with that kind of trauma and and how do you use your transpersonal psychologist you know skills and and knowledge and 
capabilities as a counselor? Like, what are the things that they're facing that yeah. keeps them kind of going through that cycle? So, uh, so my degree in transpersonal psychology, what I'm working on right now is a PhD. My bachelor's degree is in transpersonal psychology. My PhD is now in transpersonal psychology specifically. So that's a PhD is a research degree. It's a, a doctorate of philosophy in psychology, but you know, a majority influence of transpersonal psychology. My master's degree is a clinical degree. So that is a, a clinical degree. It's a master's degree of counseling psychology. So in, in that way, uh, just in those teen, I, I, I did groups on teen domestic and family violence intervention. I did that with ages 13 to 19. So these teenagers, various degrees of, of, uh, of being incarcerated for for different uh, degrees of domestic violence. So it could be like beat up your girlfriend or your mother or or just just like uh, most of those groups were men uh, dominated, but I did other uh, other trauma groups with with uh, women as well. I, I was doing uh, groups with women that were um, potential victims of sexual trafficking. And we were doing these abuse groups and there, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of dark stories, a therapist, even like, I, I would say that a good coach, um, a, a good coach and a therapist, that th this is mirroring stuff. Yeah. But, but like I said before, the paradigm of you need to work with sick people to help sick people versus I, I, I really appreciate working with the people that I love, that like the people that I'm also clients of, I really appreciate working with those people mm -hmm. because I'm looking at successful people to help other successful people and, and build that way. I want to build out. And so uh, the teen domestic family violence intervention program are taking these teen perpetrators of domestic violence and putting them through a six month program. Uh, or if it's a parenting group, these are all court mandated groups. So they're on probation. They don't want to be there. They're not really interested. They don't really have the ears of understanding in that in the in you know on the first day that they come in right. on the first moment and i personally uh i don't i i've never been a perpetrator of violence i've never had a any kind of criminal history of violence but i do have an extensive criminal history for uh substance use and and different different other things that have gotten me in trouble between around those same ages between between uh, 17 to 21, I was arrested an average of two times a year. And I know what it is to be on probation and to be in programs and stuff like this. So I was really able to connect with the, the kids like that, the, the teenagers like that. And I know that on that first day, you don't have the ears of understanding, but over a six month period, if they can trust me, if we can open up, then maybe some of those seeds get planted in good ways so that they don't continue to perpetrate violence. But what helps is in a, in a space of, of anything, of coaching, of, of therapy, like I, like I said, like my idea of these terms are very synonymous. They're, they're very interchangeable. I, I, I don't, you know, there, there's just like a political thing between the yeah. two. It's like a different a training. 
it's a different training it, it, there, there's different like skills and tools and I, I i think that that is extremely valuable um but uh, i feel it, i feel a lot of it is like political it's about health insurance and things but so the the things that you really need is to hold a space of unconditional positive regard mm. and unconditional positive regard is really challenging when you don't necessarily like the adolescent or the parent and the ways that they're parenting their kids and the ways that they're dealing in divorce or the ways that they're dealing with their experience of being on probation or things like this but unconditional positive regard is ultimately what is going to heal that person is ultimately what how that person finds healing it's ultimately how you both in that space explore healing is because you are holding a space of unconditional positive regard mm, unconditional positive regard and i love that because it's holding it's holding that space of understanding. And like he said before, just having those ears to understand and having the ability to be able to do whatever needs to be done in order to go to that next level. Because we know that when we understand certain things, we can achieve and go into the next level. And it takes having that person next to you, whether it's a psychologist or a coach or a counselor or whatever, it, you can't, the point is you can't get to certain places by yourself. And yeah, to have sure. that person help you and assist you in accordance to whatever knowledge, you know, that you do have, I think it's quite awesome. And, and as you talk about this kind of thing, I'm like, yo, I think low key, like I'm like a trans person, a psychologist, yeah. like in a certain way. Because low, low, key, low key, you probably are, but it's just like, it, it, it's just about a different scholarly inquiry skills in different ways and and things like this i think a lot of uh coaches that we're seeing today that a lot of this um popularity even around um not not, not to de devalidate or value it at all um but uh, a lot of the popular trends in this uh coaching they they are transpersonal psychologists and the fact that they don't know that is sort of a shame. There's sort of like a really important missing element there. And um, definitely contact me, uh, excuse me, definitely contact me if you, I'm, I'm really excited about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Spit it out, spit it out, spit but it spit out. that. Uh, <laughs> definitely contact me if you're uh, if you're interested in knowing more about all those things. But um, yeah, it, so that space of unconditional positive regard, just uh, connecting to what you were just saying. It, it's also like, as a coach, you, you can't be a shaming coach. It needs to be a, a, a space of unconditional positive regard. Um, I, 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 uh, I sort of like to be funny or I, I do like to be like um, mischievous. Uh, I, I'm a bit of like a Loki sort of ar archetypally. Like uh, I, I like to be mischievous. I like to be pretty uh, like poke at things and the poking at things is important, but I am not there with the intention of shaming or hurting anybody. And some coaches might think, you, you, you might think of like bad coaches that you had in high school, in mm -hmm. grade school or something like this. And what were the bad coaches doing? The bad coaches are yelling at you. Oh, you need to run faster. You're not picking up. You're not doing good enough. 
you're, you're, you're not, oh, uh, last week you didn't do the thing. You didn't do the homework that I told you to do. Uh, you, do you even, do you even want to be here? Do you even, I, I don't work with somebody that doesn't want for themselves, you know, like, like some of these things, like you need to chill dog. You need to like, just hold that space of unconditional positive regard. That's what this, that's what this human being needs right now. They need you to, to hold a light space, not a dark space. Mm. And that's so interesting because I think low key, I'm like that, you know, and you're like, I'm what? only like, like that because I like to, I don't like wasting energy. In terms of like, mm. if you're not serious, we're not working together. Period. Mm. Like, mm. I'm, we're not working together. And but, but there is that light space, like what you were saying before. There's that space that you're being held to, and it's not necessarily. It's just like you can tell who's doing the work and who's not, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like I'm not worried about you know your your two minute mile, but damn, were you practicing this week? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. all have our, our low weeks. And if your answer is no, well, if you come back next week and you still ain't practice, we're not working together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's important. Like, how do you set up how do you set up those boundaries? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Of of who you would want to work with or who you can work with, because yeah. I know for me personally, there's been times where I've passed other people on and I'm like, nope, not for me. Yeah. But my, I have very strong set boundaries because I know myself. So how do you you know, set your boundaries, it, it, especially it, in the spiritual realm. When, when you're speaking about those things, it is a both and it is a, a balancing thing there, there is, there, I, you know, I don't, I don't intend to mean that if somebody, you know, is not, you know, somebody needs to want to show up. Sure. But yeah. I am not going to, I'm not going to like, I'm not out here trying to hurt people's feelings because they didn't want to be my client as a coach or something. You right, know, they, right. they didn't want me as their coach. That's, that's fine. Like, um, and, and in that, in that same vein, if, if I'm not, if I'm not the guy for you and, and I see that I'm not the guy for you, or, or if, if you're not the woman for them and you see that you're not the woman for them, right. It is your duty. If you're if you're really here for the right reasons, if you're really here to help people, it is your duty to refer them to another person. In therapy, they as as therapists, you know, in the clinical space, they do the same thing. If if this client, if you're not, you know, getting the progress that we're looking for, if you if you don't feel like this space is holding them in the way that they need to be held. Or, and you and you can't adjust and, and do what you need to do to hold that space for them in the way that they need to be held and refer them to somebody else. Um, you, you ask, uh, ask, ask again. Maybe, what, what was the question again about spirit, spiritual holding spiritual space? Yeah, holding spiritual boundaries. Yeah, holding spiritual boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, are there boundaries? I, I, I tell people right away how i feel if, if we're getting into a spiritual conversation I, I'm, I'm really i'm really about spirituality being practical mm-hmm. i, I want to be pragmatic i want i want to actually do things i want to actually have conversations that are that are applicable that really apply to real life things like i i want to be successful in real life not in not in the the uh, inner conflict with astral planes and things like that, which is, it's fine. Those, those things can also coexist. That, that can also be a part of the work that is also necessary, but it is, 
it is important as as the facilitator, the holder of that space, that you are grounding that person in. Well, we're gonna we're gonna take that and do something about it. Same thing with the psychedelic experiences. I'm interested in in that area, and people will will take these things or or do these things and have no have no sense of anchoring themselves back to the real world. No sense of like, what am I going to do to make sure that I've taken something from that instead of like, I just wasted a whole day being like, like incoherent. So um, you, you want to be safe with all of those things, but I'm very open and honest in general. Yeah. I'm very open and honest about my story. I've, I, I feel like I've earned my privilege in being able to do that in being able to be um, open and honest with my story in all the ways that I, I feel makes sense. Well, I'm also going to be open and honest about how I feel about spirituality. Like I'm, I'm never going to tell you that I am a Christian. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, but I, I do value different aspects of that spiritual tradition too. I take, I legitimately, I in a through even a scholarly lens, I legitimately take from a variety of spiritual traditions because I'm not discriminating against one another. So, yeah. <laughs> and and maybe that is um, that that has in the past. I have had uh, I've had at least one client that comes to mind that uh, poking at that was really good for them, but. It needed to be poked at first. It's like, why are you adopting just this one? Why are you? Why is it such a such a tie? It, there there might be legitimate reason for why it's such a tie. Why you identify in that way? That's fine. But let's get beyond the identity when we're going in those spiritual ways. But I'm holding a safe space. So if it feels like a conversation that is not safe, then then you know we won't go there. We we won't go anywhere that is going to hurt you i'm not here to hurt so yeah. in those ways like that that's how you hold this spiritual boundary that's it you're just open and honest and we don't go anywhere that's actually going to hurt somebody yeah i love that and how do you you know have that because you know you've worked with different kinds of people whether it's you know them kind of in and out of the system or or you know drugs and so on you know how do you balance out that you know having that respect too because people lash out or people I wouldn't even I don't like to call them lash out or episodes because I think it takes away from them experiencing something in conflict with themselves and projecting it outward so how do you you know determine or have that discernment between taking it personal of like a respect thing versus this is what's going on with them it has nothing to do with me but also like still like their triggers can almost innately trigger you as well so how do you balance that out you know in in your work of what you do in uh in psychotherapy it's called transference so this idea that um you, you know it's something that they've said to me i've been triggered and now i'm reflecting a piece of my or or i get into this place of like Oh, I'm, I'm speaking to them about my story. This space, it's not my space. It's their space. Mm. And, and it being their space, it's important that I am not getting in the way of their work. 
So yes. if they are if if they are emotionally charged about something that I'm doing or that or that maybe even it's not me but it's something happening in their life, uh, but but if it's me, um, they're emotionally charged about something that I'm doing or did. Well, hopefully, I, I you know I'm a human being also. So, I mean, I'm not going to just sit here and let you disrespect me. Uh, (laughs) Gang, gang. (laughs) Like, 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 uh, like, I'm a spiritual gangster. Like, like, I will smack you. Like, don't, don't tell me trying to fuck me. Don't try try coming at me in any kind of crazy way. But, but, you know, I'm, I'm wanting to hold a a grounding. I'm wanting... The energy. I'm wanting to you know, me. I'm I'm holding the space. So, what is my energy doing? If my energy is unaffected, that will pass. Yeah, yeah. That that that, that will pass. That will we will move on. Um, it, and it not being affected, or you know, just holding it in a healthy way, the energy in a healthy way. It it can't be completely unaffected. But I I also know that this is. This is a part of the work. This is a thing. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's go back. Maybe we don't go to that conflict or that com- that that whatever that trigger was right now. But maybe we go back to that. Let's you know let's let's unpack that. Well, um, in the in the work with uh, teens, there's a lot of that. These are violent teenagers. They were they were violent to the point of getting police called for them for different reasons and things. Um, so they, and they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to be told what to do. They didn't want to be taught, psychoeducated, another class, even, even if it is, I I was probably, I I really felt that I was teaching them the most important information of their scholarly career that I, I didn't learn any of this until I was a master's degree in counseling psychology. You know how much money it costs me to learn about the most important things that in life, like our education system's not really doing it. But luckily, their circumstances put them into this position where they get to be with. I mean, I, I, I'm a pretty cool guy. Like, like they they, they got to be with me, and I, at least I'm somebody that knows a little bit about their experience. I know mm-hmm. I, I can empathize from a personal place. So when, when they were uh, aggressive with me, it's like, I've been there too. So, mm-hmm. so it's okay. We, we've been emotionally charged before. And a lot of our work was working on conflict resolution skills. And so we took that as an opportunity, kind of just like I said before, sometimes it is an opportunity to learn other things about ourselves or um, about the relationship because th- that, that's, that's what you want in any in any healing space you want to make sure that unconditional positive regard ultimately is also ultimately also it's based in this in this good relationship this good rapport between two people this is this is a human interaction the human condition is still going on there's still things happening in my life there's still struggles or or there's still you know there's all kinds of mix mashing you know and it's important for me not to let the transference make it about me but our working on this relationship can be you know metaphorical or reflecting in 
this person working on their relationship with others, all these things. I love that. I love that. And like having it to, that's a really important thing to know. And it, it kind of puts, it connects transference. It's, it's such a, oftentimes I find that scholars have the vocabulary to describe the experience. You know what I mean? Whereas it's like, oh, it's this. I have the definition, mm -hmm. but I don't have the word. And so mm -hmm. it's kind of like scrambling and putting those words mm -hmm. together with that experience. Because I remember just personally, I have an issue with um, women crying. And there's just a certain type of woman that I have an issue with them crying. Mm -hmm. And so as this person is crying in my face... Mm -hmm. I noticed myself getting angry and pissed off. And I'm like... Because they're playing the victim and you don't like to see them playing the victim. Um, I, and, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's... And for me, it's like, oh, this is like a form of manipulation in my face. But mm. they were genuinely like showing their stuff. So there was like it's two sides of me. I had to check myself because like, right. yo, why is, why is her expressing you know, her, her gratitude or, mm -hmm. or her sadness. Why is that triggering inside of me something? Mm -hmm. And what I realized was because, you know, in, in the way society, we, we alchemize and transmute that energy differently. So mm -hmm. whereas it might be unacceptable for me in, in, in the current uh, meat suit that I'm in to cry it doesn't look the same as when that person in their meat suit cries. And so what is more acceptable is I can be, I, I can express that in anger, but mm -hmm. I don't know how to express that in, in sadness. And so I realized, whoa, like this is low key kind of a, a, a jealousy, an underlying jealousy that's going on because she has the privilege and opportunity to do that, where I'm kind of being envious of, and it wasn't in a, even in a space mm -hmm. where I couldn't cry if I wanted to. That's mm -hmm. the thing. It wasn't a space like that, but it was like my own self-limiting, uh, my own self-limiting ability to allow myself to express that in a space because typically you you don't see that. Yeah, and so sounds, having that transference is important to know that. Sounds to me like you had trouble with being vulnerable to be compassionate in the way that that person wanted to be seen for the way that they were crying. And that's just in, in any kind of coaching for therapy, all of those things, again, just kind of interchanging of words. Um, you're going to find out what kind of work that you need to do so that right. you can be better at holding that space for that other person. And so... It, that, that, that's the thing where you, you think, a you know, a therapist or a coach, you're like, you're like, Oh, $200 for an hour. You don't know the kind of work that I put in. To, right. you, you know, you don't know that you don't know the kind of hours that I put into this. You don't know the kind of debt that I me for me personally, you don't know the kind of debt that I have at the school debt. Uh, you, you don't know the kind of journey that I've been on so that I could be the person that is, that is holding this space for you to be, uh, you know, unconditionally, uh, the unconditional positive regard space, but for you to be vulnerable and 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 cr cry your heart out. If you're feeling like a victim today, okay, well let's well, let's entertain that for today. Are we going to entertain that tomorrow? Probably not. We're probably yeah. not going to continue to entertain that. But I but I understand it's tough. 
I, I understand that it's not it's not easy. If you don't believe that I understand that, okay, well, yeah. uh, we, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you then. Uh, and it's but, even the understanding of self because as that was happening, it was just like, oh my gosh. Like I was talking to myself and I was like, Katija, stop it. Like I yeah. had to literally mute myself and just like, I realized I was triggered and I was like, yo, why am I triggered? And I really had to dig deep within myself and counsel my, my inner child really of like, okay, where is this coming from? What does this look like? There, I mean, and obviously history was tied to it. And so I had to put myself in a certain mental space to allow myself to one, have that experience, but also have the understanding of like, you know, like, you can't tell other people how to express themselves as a safe space. Yeah. So even if I come in there angry and I might be triggering other people and mm-hmm. not know it, and I would be damned if somebody stopped me in the middle of my anger and tell me that I'm angry or, mm-hmm. you know, like, who are you to tell me how to express this feeling? Yeah. But also like knowing too, it's okay to not be there. Like, but, but that goes back to the payment thing. You paying me to sit there and be triggered and remain calm while you, you know? Yeah, there, there is that. It's, could you imagine, like, it, you're a human being. We're all yeah. just human beings. We're don't, humans. don't, do not forget that. My, my table will just shook a bunch. Yeah. Don't forget that. Don't forget <laughs> that we're human beings. Um, you know, don't don't forget that. You know, your your coach, your therapist, your whatever is not immune to triggers. Is not immune to any of this. I, I don't care if you've been in it for forty years, for eighty years. You're you're not immune to these things. Could you imagine ten hours with anybody and not getting triggered by something? Yeah, yeah. Just ten hours. That's not, that, that's not a lot. I mean, like uh, uh, 10, 10 sessions, ten consecutive sessions. Hopefully some great work has been done. And it's probably because of the triggers that some of that great work got done. That we saw some of that. Like, it's sort of like we we have to to host the, sometimes it's emotionally charged, so it's a boiling pot. And things are going to pop up. And when those things pop up, that is showing us what we need to work on. That's showing us how we move forward in our work together. Yes. I love that. Okay, one final question. Well, actually, I have two. And the question I have for you, I know you have your IG moving humanity forward. I wanted to ask you, what does moving humanity forward mean to you? And what does that look like? Moving humanity forward is, so so you you had earlier spoke about like when you went east, when you went to Japan, right? So, and 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 it's, it's just night and day difference in terms of, it, it's it's sort of collectively based in the East, community based in the East. In the West, it's sort of individual. Yes. Well, well, I believe that it is it is the transformation of individuals that transforms the collective. We are parts of a whole, and and if I am whole, then the then the whole becomes more whole. Come on. And now. so that's moving humanity forward. I, I am here bridging the gap between people's people's fragmented fractured self into their transformed being self and that 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 can look a variety of ways for a variety of different people i have a variety of tools and skills to to do this work and i and i've earned the place to be here and 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 all this stuff well in, in in order to move humanity forward it's really important that all of us each of us are intentionally working 
learning, knowing about ourselves so that we can be a better influence on the world around us, our communities around us. That's a good way of saying what moving humanity forward means to me. Yes, I love it. And my last question, I haven't asked this question in a long time. I think like in in weeks, months, maybe even, but it came to me. So I'm going to ask you, what does you, because in Trance You, you know, we're all about being the creators of our own realities and -hmm. all on this show. So what does you being the creator of your own reality mean to you? What does being the creator of my own reality mean to me? It, it, it means co-authorship. It means that I am on a journey. I have a narrative. It means that other people are on their own journeys and their own narratives. And we are co-authoring this beautiful planet together. It's beautiful. I mean, human beings are beautiful. My favorite living organisms in the world are human beings. Yes. We're awesome. And we're not always awesome. Yeah. And, and, and that's sort of like <laughs> what makes it so cool. Like, like sometimes we're gross, disgusting, destructive, mean, shaming, all of these things. Well, it, it's, it's also what, you know, why everything that is the more beautiful side of human beings is beautiful. And so co-authorship is really important that, that no matter what my story is, no matter what my narrative is, no matter where I've come from, no matter what is happening right now on that day, in that moment, all of those things, I have an agency there. There isn't, my doctoral work is about an actualizing tendency of consciousness. That actualizing tendency is my agency. It is my ability to decide, to be intentional in that moment, to be aware. To do that of my own autonomy, my own my own volition. I love so that, it. So that's it, yeah. I absolutely love it. And Mr. Travis Gray, I just want to thank you so much for joining us on Entrance You. Welcome to the community. Welcome to the fam, you know. And it's an amazing just, podcast. You have, you have an amazing thing going on here. I love all the oh. colors. I love the graphic design. I already, <laughs> I already gave you some of those flowers before we started. And you, you just, uh, more, more flowers for me for eons. I love it. Thank you so much. I, I, re- I receive. I receive. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you so much. Is there anything else you would like to close out with or make plugins, you know, connect to how people can connect with you in any final words? Yeah, um, I'm uh, open. Like I, I have a practice. I, I work with clients regularly, and I I do a variety of things. I'm currently working on my dissertation, so look out for you know future research and things. But I uh, I just like you to follow follow uh, my social media. Pretty much everything is at Mr. Trav G. You can find me everywhere. I'm at Mr. Trav G. Facebook things like this at Moving Humanity Forward, a more organizational page. But um, I, I'd be happy to connect with each and every one of you in, in the best way that I can, in the best way that serves your best interests. And uh, yeah, let, let's keep going. Let's keep moving humanity forward. Hey, and we moving, and we grooving, and we, uh, uh, I don't even know. 
Play that funky music, oh, white yeah. boy. <laughs> <laughs> my, my very first CD I ever had was called 100% Funk. It had that song on it. Yes, you see, Play that's that where my subconscious mind was. Hell yeah. <laughs> He's a break. <laughs> thank you so much, Khadija. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. Travis Gray. All right. Thank you all so much for listening and tuning in. Please feel free if you want to come on the show. Please feel free to email us at creatorsofreality at entranceu.com. And we'll see you next time. And we are out. Travis, I'm going to meet you backstage after the final parts play. Oh, we have some comments. I'm so busy, you know, over here doing this. I'm not yeah. even paying attention to the comments. Hey, Linda. Hey, Linda. Nice. One of her favorite songs going up. Hey, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Is that like a b Black Cherry something? I, think I don't that's, know. I think that's who sings that, like Black Cherry or Cherry something. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. My subconscious mind, that's where we You, pick, where you we picked went. it out. That, that's that's right for my soul right there. That, hey, you you got <laughs> something. So apparently my, my subconscious mind's like, play that funky music then. Hey. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play the outro and then I'll see you next week.